0: Welcome to another edition of High Trust, Low Context, episode four. I'm your host, El Chaco, and I've got with me tonight another awesome guest. He's not only one of my favorite pro wrestlers to have ever worked with, he's also one of my best friends on the planet. He's none other than the American monster himself, Jason Sullivan. Welcome to the show, Sully. Oh, hold on, I got your mic.
1: Open hand slap right there.
0: <laughs> What's up, What's had, up, man? I had your your mic, your mic muted for some reason. Anyway, so my bad. Uh, I'm already off line start. I came in hot and you buried you buried my comeback. <laughs> I love it. Uh Sully is a skilled veteran of the Squared Circle who's wrestled in multiple states across the USA and Canada and even down here in Paraguay. Where he also cur- currently resides. He's trained by the late, great Playboy Buddy Rose. And Jason, you've had the pleasure of working with many different wrestlers. Can you name off a few of the people that you've been able to work the, work in the ring with or work around?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, let me try to go back to the beginning. Like I've, I've had Playboy Buddy Rose and the legendary Colonel De Beers. Uh, they were my trainers. And then I got to spend a lot of time with. Um, professional wrestling superstar the grappler who oh, was yeah he was the uh, uh, top star of the northwest in the late 80s early 90s he was the booker of the territory came out of bill watts the bill watts area and he, his claim to fame was that he uh, defeated the american dream dusty roads and andre the giant and the new orleans superdome uh it was of course by Ooh. disqualification but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, take <it. laughs> we'll take it. Um, I've worked with uh, in the ring with Finley, uh, Raven. Uh, I've, I've booked several other large superstars like Chris Daniels. Um, I've been, you know, I've, I've gotten to work with the uh, Doink the clown, Matt Bourne, uh, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Um, I'm trying to think of other names. I've, I've worked with a lot of people. I've done some work with, um, didn't we yesterday
0: um, discover that you that Wikipedia has you written down wrong for Texas All-Star Wrestling, that you apparently worked the show with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but that didn't yeah. actually take place? I, I was supposed to
1: debut in Texas All-Star in 2004, in August of 2004, and Jim Duggan was on the show. Apparently, they didn't realize <laughs> he was the I wasn't on the show. He was the champ. Ah, okay. He was the Texas All-Star yep. champ, and I actually left the state of Texas in June. To go back to Oregon to go train with Buddy and Colonel, so I was nowhere to be seen. I was gone two months before the show started. I was supposed to debut on that show though.
0: Oh and, wow! Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I have and no so, idea what the plans were, but you know, you, you
0: that, were probably going to get a nice push. You you know, you had the look, you had uh, you had the uh, the gimmick going on. Um, so so maybe introduce yourselves a little bit more. To, in, introduce yourself a little bit more to my audience here, and kind of give us a background. Of how long has it been since you since you first started wrestling?
1: I started late. I started in uh, two thousand. I started training in two thousand and three. Well, actually, I had several failed attempts. Um, in nineteen ninety four, I gave some money to a local professional wrestler in Oregon, Billy Jack Haynes, who was a former WWF star. Right, he was at WrestleMania three. He was. Oh yeah, he tells everybody that. And so <laughs> I, I I gave him a five hundred dollar deposit um, to train me. And he went to. He immediately took that money. Went to the dog tracks, bet, bet it, and it was gone. And so, and so, he owes me money. And then, and then, I, uh, I, when I was in Texas, I just found this wrestling school in the phone book. And if people don't know what phone books are, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, there are these big giant books that had phone numbers in there, and you couldn't use your. You sell the phone. You had to. You, know, you had to go into the. Uh, to the old phone book. It was like a big dictionary or encyclopedia. And so I just found a wrestling school in there. And so I called this guy up. And this dude was a rube. This dude was a he was Carney as Carney gets. His name was the outlaw Josie Wales. And this guy <laughs> was a goof. And and so I, I went to his school, and the first day I went there, he gave me a four page script on a match that he wanted me to wrestle. Wasn't it wasn't a script? <laughs> and he put me in there with all of his guys, and there was a couple of guys that actually had potential, and and one of them I, I became friends with, and uh, I uh, and so this guy I realized was a goof, so I just kind of disappeared because I didn't know where else to go,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and until and so then, in, I was back in Oregon again, and I started training again, and I and I and I twisted my ankle. Oh, <laughs> at work, I twisted my ankle at work.
0: I'm familiar uh-huh. with that ankle.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. And, and so I had to get out of that school because I couldn't walk. And then they, they, they thought that I was faking an injury or something. And I'm like, because they didn't see me get hurt in, in right. wrestling. They saw me, you know, they just, oh, he's Outside not showing up. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have the heart. And, um, and so then finally in 03, I got myself in better shape. And then I went to All-Star Wrestling because so I ran into a buddy of mine who was at the Roots Josie mm-hmm. Wales School. Right, And he got me, uh, he said, come, up, come on up to the school. So I went up there and I was there with about 12 other guys that day. And only two people made it out of that first class. And that was me and another guy. And only one person made it to their true first match, me. Um, the first day of class, um, there was probably about 10 or 12 older guys there, like veterans. And we got uh, three chops and three forearms for each one of them. So that's 30 chops and 30 forearms and we were able to chop each one of them once as well Mm -hmm. um most of the guys after that they they had bloodied up chest messed up ribs i mean their ribs weren't broken or nothing like that but they were hurt beat up and they didn't come back on that that was on a tuesday and i came back on thursday for for the next one so
0: they this is uh it's not a business for the week and uh this episode is called uh works and shoots and works shoots um, could you give us a definition of what is a work and what is a shoot and uh, where that kind of wh- where that term applies? In I this would, case? but I'd
1: have to kill. I would, but I'd have to kill you. Gay <laughs> <laughs> faith, brother. No, but um, <laughs> <laughs> since we're diving into it. Um, so a work is when you are working with each other, you give each other your body because the ring is already going to kick your ass. You don't have to necessarily beat the hell out of your opponent. Like I was taught early on that you could hit hard in the chest. You could hit hard in the back. You can even hit a little bit in the forehead. Um, But like when you see people hitting like on the jaw, people think they're not, you're not getting hit, but you're actually opening your hand up and you're, and you're still getting slapped. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Actually. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll, uh, my first time, uh, my first ever time working in, in the business as you, you were familiar uh, was in ECCW up in Vancouver and uh the first time we did a sh- thing i was uh i was joel the fan and uh came into the came into the ring and uh i, I got shoved nobody taught me how to bump so i just kind of actually fell and like Laps. you realize really quickly that the, that the <laughs> ring hurt. uh and then i got stomped uh and i kind of got really stomped <laughs> mm-hmm. and rolled out of the ring so i was like ah oh, this that was realer than i was ready for and then yeah. uh the next time i came back uh i was to i was to give a punch and i was taught that whole thing about the kind of opened hand and y- y- you know you want to have that little bit of space and then yep. you know it's it's it comes in and i i probably popped him with like at least four or five real <laughs> real punches by accident and i mean i had receipts coming later <laughs> and they did <laughs> but uh so we ended up actually just just morphing it i said well I, I can i can do a headbutt let's do a headbutt spot and so yeah. you know we did the head headbutt instead uh so as not to uh to botch the punch and a lot of people don't realize like a wrestler a lot of wrestlers are graded on how good their punches are i mean if you got real mm-hmm. bad punches you're you're not going very far in the business and so no,
1: no. Uh, a lot of guys like if you if you if you punch really hard and really bad, then yeah, you're not. No one's gonna want to work with you. No one's gonna want to give your body. And so then that's like the work. at the work is to make sure that you take care of your opponent. And now some people who may not understand that and might listen to this, or some people go, oh, so it's fake. <laughs> nope. Because here's the thing: is that we take care of our bodies because the ring is unforgiving.
0: So you can't unlike- fake gravity.
1: <laughs> no, you just can't no. fake gravity. Falling oh. is falling. Yeah. And so a shoot a shoot is what UFC is and what boxing is, is that they're really grappling and they and there's a two that you could see the difference between UFC and pro wrestling is the total difference between work and shoot. Hmm. And shoot in a shooting UFC, for example, in a shooting UFC, you don't wanna to fall to the mat. If you're on the mat, you're prone, you know. And, and so if you're on the mat, so the goal is when you're in in a real fight is to not go to the mat. Well, the thing in professional wrestling is we want to land as hard on the mat as possible. Correct. That's where you and know, as that's flat where, as
0: possible. That's as the other. As flat
1: as possible. Don't fall in pieces. Don't fall on your butt. Don't fall on your lower spine because you're going to screw your back up, Joel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: he's referencing the fact. Actually, do you? I don't know if you still remember, but we had just gotten the Luchando ring. And I, uh, it was just built that first day, and I remember looking, and you guys were all testing it out. You were all, you know, taking your bumps. You were testing it out. You were all flopping, doing, doing your doing your bumps, landing flat. And I'm as I'm watching it, I'm you know, because like there's this part of you, you know, it's a it's a manly thing. It's like you know, I I can you know, if these guys can 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 take the the punishment, take the pain, uh, suck it up, princess, go and do it. Mm-hmm. So I watched you guys all do it. And I'm watching you guys walk and then just fall on the back, fall on the back. And I at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm the owner. I got to show them that I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to get or I'm I'm not unwilling to get my my hands dirty. So what did I do? I walked out in front of everybody and I flopped on the mat thinking I was doing it right with no training whatsoever. Cracked the back of my skull. Uh, you know, that, that, as, uh, Stevie Richards says, uh, uh, that, that Mac can bite you and I got bit and, uh, I felt it for a week, you know, cause tuck it, your head. a lot of times tuck people look at, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know to tuck my head. I didn't know how to pre- protect myself. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So it actually took a while mm-hmm. to learn how to fall properly, to bump properly. And I still, to this day, don't bump that great. Uh, but I, I, I've i taken a couple of good ones. And it's funny because, you know, I mentioned about I got a receipt for those those botched punches uh, that came in the uh, in the that came at a later time. So so a little bit more of our history together here. Uh, I met Sully in Vancouver and uh, I, I rem- I'll never forget it. So I used to go back back uh, uh, behind the you know, behind the show after the show and meet with some of my friends who were other wrestlers.
1: There was an alley and back there. there was an there was alley, an behind alley.
0: The yeah, behind the Russian community center. and I went back there, and I was so impressed. I was, so, I was always a big fan of your work, big, huge fan of your work. I and I was so impressed by a match you did with Sid Silem. and I didn't even realize, because Sid was like with me in the group, but I didn't even realize that I was standing next to him because I, I was actually visiting with Scotty at the time, and so you, you're walking by. And
1: I went, now I went on as far to the other side of the alley as possible because I didn't know who you were and you were standing <laughs> next to
0: my enemy. That's right. And then I called out to you. And I was like, great match, Sully. And then you told me to F myself.
1: <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. That was our first interaction.
0: Yep. And, it, and I remember I was so honored by that because it was like, wow, yeah, he, 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 he respects the business enough. To take this seriously and so it it later on so my third appearance because we had a little trilogy of shows where where i was doing the run-in things and on my third appearance i ended up uh getting super kicked in the back of the head dragged to the middle of the ring i took an elbow from the from the top rope and then almost had uh another elbow while having a chair put around my neck and my face and uh finally it was uh was carried out of the ring to the back and uh and I'll never forget it man. I'll never forget it to this day is you came up to me, slapped me on the shoulder and said the kick looks sick, bro. And that was uh that was it. I was in. And uh <laughs> later on, later on we were able to reconnect some more and uh got back and forth talking lots about uh about the business, asking you questions and and slowly but surely I started to uh be crafting what would later become luchando in las americas and uh you are our very first champion that we brought down here and uh I, I believe that uh that experience stuck with you so much so that uh that's the reason you're back down here now you're 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 back here in paraguay we're about two hours away from each other right now but uh ha- how's how's the transition been so far coming back down
1: um it's been pretty smooth actually um i i it's really been No problems. Like I I have, fortunately, I have that experience of being here eight years ago. And then the country itself has improved technology. You know, the tech technology has improved so much. Um, The infrastructure has improved enough to where, you know, like they got Uber. They've got this thing called Bolt so I can get around town no problem. I don't have to go hunt down a taxi like I used to. Yeah, you don't have to give directions
0: in Spanish and all that kind of stuff. No,
1: no, no. And then I... uh, um, the restaurants have improved. Um It's still, you know, it's there's You don't get the variety that you do back in the states, but it's a good trade off. You know, it's a much better trade off. Um
0: When the food the, is uh, cleaner, you were finding, eh? You, you're finding it, the the food is a little cleaner in terms. Of I'm not thought. the only
1: one who says that, though. Um, it, it, because we have that high fructose corn syrup in the United States, which causes, you know, you know, it, it's just horrible for you. It's garbage and and, you know, anybody could just look it up and see, you know, I can't explain it very well. I'm not the kind of person that when I read things that I can retain and then explain, but I can read and go, OK, this is bad. That is good. And when someone asks me and they say, well, give me the details. I can't because I can't retain it like that. I just when I read something and I look into it, I just go, OK, this is bad. This is good. <laughs> or or when they go, oh, if you don't like somebody or something, you know, like a, a political figure or a celebrity I just know this person's bad and that person's good. Give me details. Well, I'm not a lawyer. I'm
0: not a reporter. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I read. You know, well, you can, I, uh, you're, you're, you know, that's this, we, we always say this, uh, you, you, a worker can spot a worker, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like, a, and, clown and, and, a clown can spot a clown. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I, I, I'd love to kind of pivot a little bit. We'll come back to a lot of, re- we got a lot of wrestling to talk about t- today, but Um, I want to pivot a little bit in terms of having the experience that you do have and knowing how to put a persona out there, put a gimmick out there, put, you know, be working as a heel, which is the the villain of of wrestling, or working as a babyface, which is the good guy in wrestling. um, You start to a little bit, you, you start to really hone in on actual psychology, not just ring psychology, but actual psychology, learning what makes people happy, what makes people mad, how to get under their skin, how to, how to convey something. This show is called High Trust, Low Context, and what's interesting about uh, wrestling is it's actually a blend of high context and low context because from a, from a low context standpoint, you're coming out there, you got the mic, that's the promo, and you directly tell people, you suck, you know, I don't, I don't like this city, you guys, your team's garbage and blah, blah, blah get the cheap heat yeah there's no passive aggressiveness but the high context stuff is told during the match it's 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 the body language it's the subtleties it's the slowing things down it's the just the it's a it's as little as a head nod it's as little as a as a as an arm taking a little longer to fall down you know Mm -hmm. it's it's so high context that people have to read it and that's why i thought it was such a good thing to bring to another country is because it's easy to translate wrestling into other languages it's very easy just change the commentary team there you go it's done um but going back to like your experience how does that translate to real life in terms of like when you're watching a politician you're watching a celebrity you're watching somebody putting some some putting themselves over putting something else over or when there's a lie or, or or a truth being told I
1: um, you know, when I was younger, and this is before I got into wrestling, I, I I think I was fairly gullible. I think that um, I I kind of would take people at face value. I believed in what everybody said, and um, I would you know because for me, my thought was, well, I have no reason to lie, so why are they lying? And and then as I, I got in, yes, yeah. I trust, you yeah. know. And then as as you know, as I got into professional wrestling, you begin to realize that. Like everybody in wrestling, at, especially back when I broke into it, everybody in wrestling there, there, you know, there was a lot of the old guys there, a lot of the new guys coming in, and you still were getting people who were taking it very seriously, um, people who were buying into Kfabe because we were still very close to the kayfabe era when I when I broke in. We had. Could
0: you explain nobody. what kayfabe is? Just, just maybe some of the listeners don't know what kayfabe is. Mm-hmm. So kayfabe,
1: Quickly, yeah define it okay kayfabe kayfabe is is essentially where you keep all the information in pro wrestling within the wrestler wrestling community you do not share that information with people who are outside the wrestling community for the first probably 15 years of my career um i really didn't share what i was doing or the inside secrets um, there would be no
0: interviews like this <laughs> it's like mm, this, this wouldn't
1: yeah, I did a few, but they were mainly for like the the people who are already the smarks. Right. But this here, you know, we're getting more. You know, like your listeners come from different backgrounds. It's not only pro wrestling, but it's also from some of your other interests. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of like a, a blended community here. It's a hybrid, and, yeah, yeah, hybrid. There you go. And um, and so with kayfabe, it was just inclusive to the wrestlers, and you know, and and the thing is, is that. the the, the slogan that has come out in the last few years is everybody belongs. And I know why they use everybody belongs, but it's been bastardized. And what I mean, Mm -hmm. bastardized is they go, well, everybody thinks that they should, they can be a wrestler now. And I take it literally, not figuratively. I'm a very literal person, you know, because that's, yeah, I want to eliminate that. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, is that not everybody does belong in my locker room. Not everybody does belong in my sanctity. They, you know, if you now, do you want to enjoy wrestling? Absolutely, for the actual viewing and art of professional wrestling, you are everybody belongs to watch, enjoy it. But the thing is, is that now everybody wants to be backstage, and I go, oh, you're small, you can be a referee. No, I want to be a wrestler, but you have no (laughs) muscle tone, but I can kick out of Canadian Destroyer, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, what what did we say before? It's like you know that uh, we won't mention the name of the wrestler, but it's like you're watching this wrestler and you're going, dude, that guy looks like a barista like he looks yeah. like a barista to me. That's that's somebody who served me an espresso a couple of weeks ago and I walked into the wrong cafe, you know. Yeah. And um, and I, yeah. and that's the thing too is that you have to earn the respect. You you talked about when you were doing your when you were doing training, you're taking all these chops and you're taking all those kind of things. I'll never forget it. like when we ran tryouts for luchando and you're you're watching this group slowly dwindle over the you over the course of a day, just like people walking out, or just they were done. They they and it it's not for the week. It is not oh. for the week. It, oh. And you guys have a very good system of weeding out the week. And we used
1: to. We used to. It's a little so bit different now. now. But yeah. let me go now. So let me backtrack though. So sure. how does that operate into um, how I can read politicians and people in life? So as I was in wrestling, the longer I got into wrestling, you got the you, you just. I began to learn how to read people better. And a lot of the things that comes up from my childhood, because there's a lot of shady family members and friends of family that a lot of the wrestlers reminded me of. And I always got like these bad vibes, but I didn't know. I I, I didn't, I, I just, I wasn't able to just go, you know what? I don't want this person in my life. And so now I have, when I get a red flag, when I see someone and I have red flags about them, I know it right away. There's something wrong with this person. There's something up with this person and this person has red flags all over them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I I hate to say it, but I'm usually about 90 to 95% right. Like that will come true. Like, Oh, this person got busted for this or this person put their hand in the cookie jar. or This person was talking to someone that they shouldn't have been talking to. Right. Those are red flags. And it's the same thing. Like, with most politicians is where you can kind of tell, you know, with politicians, you know, about who's the red flags one. And I'll tell you the truth. Once you get up to the, to the, you know, the, the, like the higher state governments and then to the national governments, you're already there.
0: Even yeah, they the wouldn't one, let you in otherwise. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, you're not going to be on CNN. You're not going to be on Fox News. You're not going to be on and, – and trust me, when people go, well, I'm a CNN guy, I'm a Fox News guy, they're, they're both bad.
0: They're exactly, both
1: you know, well, there's no good guy.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing, yeah. too, is 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 the the hard part is I get I get accused a lot of times of what's called purity spiraling spiraling. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, it's I'll catch a politician. I'll be, like, well, they said this and that was a lie. And, you know, even though he's on, quote unquote, my team, like, how can we trust this guy if he's willing to lie about this one thing and not about this other thing? Or uh, it, it, it starts to get to you at a, at a certain point where you start to realize it's very difficult to trust anybody in this world. Well, and go it, ahead.
1: There's a thing too now where I think uh, who's that Russell Brand that got caught for doing some stuff. I don't remember all the details, but I, okay. I the allegations
0: I, are out there. Yeah, the
1: allegation. And so yeah. the people who who okay, because Russell Brand used to be a fan of, or people used to love him that were leftists, and now he's kind of he's he's playing to the right. He's kind of doing what um, Bill Maher's doing. You know, yeah. he, he and but the thing is, he's he, he yeah, yeah, there you go. Tim, and Poole. the people that hate, like, hate the rights and hate them, they're just like, oh, that guy's a piece of garbage. But The thing is, is that well, but if someone on your team says anything or does anything wrong, you ignore that, right? You know? And so, when I see people go after somebody, and he had rightfully so, go after him, go ahead, that's fine, he's a piece of garbage as it is, but. When I try to correct that, I go, why don't you go after your people? Then they're just like, oh, what are you, a, a Nazi, a fascist? Are you, uh, you know, whatever? And I'm like, no, I'm just calling you out on your bull. You know, I'm just calling you out on your BS. So, you know, yeah, it's like, I've it's heard like
0: it don't punch down. down or or don't, don't punch right. Don't punch left. You know, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to punch wherever a punch is deserved. <laughs> like <you>. uh, yeah, <laughs> so,
1: um, I, yeah. And when people try to tell me what to do, I'm just like, go piss off, you know, like until you pay my bills. <laughs> You know, it's like it's like you know. Um, I don't drink as much as I used to, and I remember I was only having one or two beers a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago when I first got back. And one of the guys jokingly said, "Like, what kind of man are you?" And I go, "I'm the type of man that doesn't have to listen to another man tell me what to do."
0: You know, bingo, you found the right place for it. Yeah, yeah. Paraguay is a good place for that. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because we've talked about this before. That there's there's another thing that happens, especially with people seeking clout or uh high positions of power it tends to attract a lot of people with um issues emotional disorders issues uh you get a lot of sociopaths narcissists psychopaths even and it's funny because when i came into wrestling uh, i remember somebody sat down with it was uh it was uh it was natch it was natch who said to me he said um He said, uh, wrestling, because I was coming actually from, I did amateur stand up comedy for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really bugged me about going into that was, you know, I'm meeting with these guys, I'm hanging out with them afterwards, we're going out afterwards. And these ended up being the most miserable people I've ever, ever encountered. Like they are just spiteful and resentful and angry. And it was across the board. I couldn't find a single normal dude that like was worth hanging out with afterwards. Everybody was cutthroat. Everybody was at e- you know, everybody was just burying each other. Like a second you were behind each other's back, they were just like burying wrestling. each other. It was very similar. Yeah. And I, I I I realized that really quickly when I came into to wrestling, but it was Natch who said that basically wrestling has a lot of similarities with stand up comedy. Because, especially because mm-hmm. of the promos, yeah, and it. But it also had a lot of uh, in common with strippers with stripping. And, and I and I I, that,
1: I come from the strip club industry. No, I didn't strip. By the way,
0: <laughs> you were a uh, bouncer
1: back in the day. I was a bouncer. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so so the thing is, is that with the uh, the I I mean, we can flush that out. A, a lot of that has to do with body. You know, like body movement, body work, uh, presentation. I mean, a lot of them come out. You you think about it. When a, when a stripper comes out on stage, what's she doing? Usually, she comes out with like a, like a Ric Flair robe yeah. or some sort of gimmick, and uh, she will um, have her own music that she's tying to. I mean, when one of the things that's yeah. really important with wrestling is that entrance, is that first yeah. that first um, exposure, the the the, the uh, first impression you're giving to people. And well, so, I'm
1: more interested now in the presentation of the of the entrance and the music and how they present themselves and the actual matches because I've seen so many matches. I'm a fool, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. So, so show me how you present yourself or show me how you tell a story. Okay, please continue. All
0: right. Well, no, and that's the thing is 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 that a lot of times these people come out and they have a persona, a gimmick, and you can start to see it in politics. You can start to see it in, in even even like when Kanye was doing his uh, his, his wild tour, the you know like uh, last late last year, you think to yourself like a lot of this is a put on. A lot of this is he knows what he's going to do and he's going to come out there and he's going to get attention and he's going to go boom. He's going to get his cheap heat, right? And he and he's going to get his point across. He's going to get his cheap heat, and sure enough, yeah. I mean, he got headlines. He got all of, got, got all the stuff he wanted to talk about out there. But then you're looking at you're going, well, it's couched in something. You know, it's, it's how you're presenting it. What is the message you're trying to get out there? One of the things that it's always gotten me with, with wrestling is when we get told, because like, I've cut a lot of promos in wrestling, and I get told ahead of time, okay, you've got about you know, 30 seconds. You've got you know, this much time on the mat. Or it's like stretch it out. We need you to stretch it out. Go long. Take this as long as you want. Take as long as you need. And, and sometimes the shorter ones are even harder than the longer ones because you have to come out there and get something really succinct and, and, and poignant and boom, get your point across and move on. But with, with uh, when I'm watching a, a newscaster, when I'm seeing how they present the news, and you can see them start to thread a narrative in, and, and we do this in wrestling. We do this in wrestling booking. You know, We're going to set up this guy for a heel turn. And it's going to take about four or five matches or four or five mes- uh, episodes before we get there. We're going to start planting the seeds now. And we're going to start boom, boom, boom. OK, we're going to hit the beats and then he's going to do this and he's going to maybe shove his partner and he's going to he's going to, you know, get cheated out of something. and He's going to react a little bit poorly, but we can relate to him. But you're going to, you know, you start to see that in real life. You start to see the way that they seed those things. It's like, you know, we got the election coming up in 2024. So all of a sudden you're starting to see more of RFK Jr. And you're starting to see more of Donald Trump versus uh, Ron DeSantis. And you're seeing all these little wrestling narratives well, going DeSantis on.
1: DeSantis is already out. DeSantis is done.
0: He's pretty so, much done. Yeah. yeah. But, He's but the been fact very, that we like, thought like he was his in. Own,
1: his own has already started to eat him.
0: And, so. But the, the fact that we even thought he was in for a while was pro wrestling? Do yep. You know what I mean? Like that—that yep. that was just building it up, and that was that was the pro wrestling aspect. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I also noticed when we were working together, one of the things that you know you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, and it's not across the board, but it's something I noticed the most was it seemed to me that the people who come out of the uh, out of the curtain and are baby faces have a very different persona often behind the curtain in the back, in the back room, in the, in the locker, because there's this need, this need for adulation, this need for, for the esteem, the love love thing. Yeah. You gotta love me. And so it's, and then the, the hard part is, is that they, they turn around and then they, they go back through that, that curtain and for a lot of them, they're getting back into their Hyundai accent and driving home a long way. And it's it's a hard reality crash. Because you just out there, you're a you're a small g god and you're uh you're you're a hero. And then you gotta make this long drive back and wonder if you know if I got enough of my trans pay to uh to cover my uh cover my gas all the way home or, or anything like that.
1: But. and a lot of these guys like they <clears throat> they don't have like when i was breaking into pro wrestling um a lot of the, the the trainees and wrestlers they did, they didn't have jobs like they lived you know they they were living um off of people and like couch surfing and it was they they say they were doing it for pro wrestling no they weren't doing it for pro wrestling cuz they were lazy um I had a I had a dual life when I was a wrestler. I had a very stable job. I've always had stable job for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and I was always working. I was creating my own business. That but it was a duality. I was two people. I was Jason Sullivan, and then I was Jason. I ain't giving you my last name, people.
0: And <laughs> yeah, don't dox yourself. Not on here. No, <laughs> no.
1: And, and so, and, and so. I had a duality and, and and Jason Sullivan did take over. I like, I identify and and feel more like Sully than I do as, as Jason, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, as, as my, as my, uh, my slave name. so, (laughs) (laughs)
2: you
1: know, um, I, I feel, you know, I feel more comfortable as Sully. I never felt like comfortable in my own skin until I was Sully. And there's thing goes as, as my career had started to slow down, I had some issues um, because i I couldn't um, I couldn't find my place in the world, and I was having a hard time finding my place in the world. Where do I belong? Because I had had some issues beforehand, even though um, uh, I was doing fine business wise and stuff like that. But then, as I you know, when I became solely, I found myself and I became comfortable within my own skin. And then, as I got out of the business, that rush, that chasing the dragon, that drug. It wasn't there as much, and I needed that. And I've, I've gotten more comfortable within my life now in the last couple of years. But, man, you know, I've slowed down my career in the last six years. I used to wrestle every weekend. I was probably doing between 80 to 100 matches a year. Wow. And, and, you know, and then I think the last few years I might do 10 or 20. Mm-hmm. So – and this year I've done three or four.
0: So, wow. So – but maybe update uh, update our listeners. So you are down here in Paraguay, and you do you you've given us the time to be able to to chat because you do have work that you are doing steady. Um, but one of the other projects that you're working on is you have you've you've brought back wrestling here to Paraguay again, and cool. with the ring you're 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 now running a a pro wrestling school down here. D- to tell us a yeah. little bit about how that's going,
1: it's going good. You know we've got about seven to eight students right now. Um, You know, we, now I get contacted all the time. I've, I've had probably over 30 um, minimum of 30 contacts, but I think three of them have showed up, you know? And so it's, (laughs) it's, it's it's what I call the, the, the dreamer. They're in dreamer mode right now, which and, 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 whenever, whenever I hear someone say, Oh, this is my dream. I'm like, I don't give a damn about your dream. Do it. <laughs> you know, like stop dreaming. You have goals. Goals are great. But when I hear the word I, I always hear is I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I just, I don't, you I don't know. pay attention to that. You're just, you're just, you're just, you're just talking into the air. I'm going to win the lottery. You know? <laughs> and,
0: well, it requires a, a certain level of humility. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're you're coming in because everybody dreams about the dreams about being the toughest guy. They're really there to want those big those big pops, those big cheers, you know, and Mm -hmm. they they want that adulation. They want that importance. But you have to start at the bottom. You have to, you know, like I mean, not everybody breaks into the business like Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar. You know, you you, most people have to start at the very bottom and work their way up.
1: I, I was an exception but I also was very lucky because when I came in, um, in o, I, I had my first match at 05. I actually was turning down promotions um, because I, I didn't want to get pigeonholed. Um, there was promotions that they had some guys that were working there that I'm like, eh, I don't want to be in a locker room with these people, you know? Mm-hmm. And some people will go, Oh, you are, you know, you're, you've got a big ego. And it's like, there's a difference between having bigger goals and, and being humble. And I, you know, it, it, and I had bigger
0: goals. Um, I would well, say level of discernment is involved. Yeah, too, you know? I remember I told that's one, of, told, the, that's one told, of the I things told, that I respect about you is that you seem to discern things very, very well. You have a very good vision uh, ahead. of. I, time. I try <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and I had it for myself where now I have it for you know Paraguayan wrestling and I had it for wrestling in the United States and in Canada. And now mm-hmm. I have it for myself now. I, I had it. I had it for myself, though, back in the day. And I remember I was at a car ride with one of the students. and He had been working for a few years at that point. And he goes, so, like, what are your goals? And I said, flat out, my goal is to be the top guy in the Northwest. And he was kind of shocked that I just said that, like, so like just bluntly. Like, well, mm-hmm. oh, I just figured you would be having, you know, your goals to be on the shows because I hadn't been on the shows yet. You know, and, and you
0: were grabbing that brass ring, man, right off the bat.
1: I, you got, to. I, I wasn't trying to get a WWE contract. I wasn't trying to get, uh, you know, Japan would've been cool. How come? Um, they weren't going after my body type at that time. Hmm. Um, there was a time in
0: old, Is that like ruthless old, aggression era? Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. They okay.
1: they wanted Randy Orton was the carbon copy that they wanted and they were not looking at anybody above 30. I was already 31. I was already, I was 340 pounds. Um, I, I, you know, the funny thing is, is I'm 49 now and I, and I work out five days a week back then I didn't work out. I just relied on my athleticism and my size. Right. And and I could move like, you know, I moved like a cat at those, at that time. And um, they weren't looking for somebody like me. And even when I had my tryout, they were impressed with my moves. They were blah, 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 blah. But they said, get in the gym, lose weight, put on muscle. And I didn't, and I should have, because when they started looking for bigger guys, like the Bray Wyatts, uh, like like the Viking Warriors, there was a few other guys like that were part of some other groups that were bigger boys that were my size. Otis um, Keith Lee. Um, yeah, but even this was even before them. This was like in okay. 2017, 2018. I was right. already 40 years old. Yeah, I, they they were getting so. The time for me to get signed, I should have signed up. I should have started wrestling when I was 18 so I could have had an opportunity because I probably could have gotten booked by WWE or F at the time or ECW. Japan would have been a very viable option for me.
0: Easily, easily, mm-hmm. especially given the fact that they love because you, you are what we call a monster wrestler, right? Yeah. Like uh, that's and it's in your name. But I mean, there's there's different tiers of different types of wrestlers or different body types. And you're, you're, a, you're, you would call a, a monster, right? A monster. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe, okay, go ahead.
1: Well, and so the, so the reason why I never wanted to join the WWE WWF is because I didn't think it was there for me. So my goal was what I considered what was there for me. And it was to be hmm. the top guy in the Northwest. And I did achieve it. I did achieve it. I actually, you know i helped rebuild the northwest from the dead zone because you know everybody was looking to the past i was trying to look more towards the future and mm-hmm. i i had a lot of hiccups and i had a lot of bumps because i was booking shows 3 years into the business 2 years into the business 2 years wow. into the business you know and everybody says well go get a vet well and my problem was and my retort was because they go how dare you book because you're this young guy and my reply was always well, we went to the vets, and they just scammed the promoters for money. So That,
0: that checks out.
1: <laughs> you, had, you had your shot. You had your shot, man. Uh-oh. We, we we lost Joel, so I'm taking over right now. We lost Hot Choco. I'm taking over. This is the Jason Sullivan show now. So I'm going to go ahead and keep this rolling until he comes back. And so I hope everybody out here is having a good time. And so – I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation right now. Um, and, and so if you guys are ever looking to get into pro wrestling or anything in the entertainment business, then uh, please, please, you know, do your due diligence. Go get trained um, and make sure you do go about it the right way um, because it's very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult
0: sorry about that so all right there we go I, I've just been rambling since, since you, you're a pro man you're a pro I trust you for uh, all that
1: I was like well I hope he comes back because I yeah. I, I,
0: I don't trust my internet sometimes out here man I I uh, I ended up taking this thing and uh, now we're running it off my phone but yeah it just all of a sudden just died just gone so uh, well, well
1: shout out I, the hotspot
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get them to take that off my bill because that's not cool. No. But let's so going back to your your story then, uh you you booked it well. And and when you were down here, we put you like you were on the booking team. You were definitely heavily involved with the booking team. And one of the things that I appreciated about you the most is you're like an encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. You you've got this. You know, you can quickly draw upon some narrative, some storyline that was done in the late 80s, early 90s, why it worked, why it didn't work, how it would work with our guy, what we're going to do with it. Like, uh, how much would you say our conversations (laughs) go towards booking? I mean, even though the the show hasn't been on since 2015, I think you and I probably spent at least 30% of our time talking about booking.
1: Minimum, minimum. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, it, and that's like I think there was a several year stretch where that's kind of like our it was our own therapy afterwards because you know there was like so many like we could have done this we could have done that and and it, 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 and for you like I know it was a stressful time, um, you know, doing that and I think that maybe at some point down the road we can we could actually have a special show just to cover that you know that would be oh probably
0: yeah do a do a luchando. Uh, in 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 retrospect, you know, uh, thing would be kind yeah. of a fun thing, and we could show clips and stuff. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that could be a several part series because that was pretty. You know, we could, and I think it'd be kind of cool to get other other people from there as well. You know, like Michael or whatnot. You know, to get their opinions because um, we everybody has. Yeah, they have different I reached out to details.
0: Spinelli. Um I I always reached I always reach out to Scotty, but he's very hit and miss in terms of uh responding cuz I think we use different platforms mostly. Mm-hmm. Um but I know he would want to talk about it. Drexel would be a good one to bring back on yeah. uh to talk about it. Heck, yeah, I'd even a- bring back on Lazarus, man. I would, you know, yeah. I would even I'd bring anybody back on to to chat about it cuz it was quite an experience.
1: <laughs> it really was in and- It'd be kind of cool to do like a Brady Bunch show where you get everybody on there, you know. You I gotta, can. I, I think I can do up to ten or twelve
0: of them on here. So yeah, that would be amazing. a bunch of mics.
1: Yeah, it, it would be like a therapy session.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which we again we still do that a lot. Uh, a lot of a lot of hindsight is twenty twenty booking, but at the really same is. time, I'm pretty. I I'm still, i I I still take pride in what we did. Uh I think yeah. that it was it was one of the most magical experiences in my life. And, uh, and, and it wouldn't have been that way if I had the different people, do you know what I mean? And you and I, we hit it off right off, right off the bat. You were the one who talked me into being a a manager. Uh, Do you remember how that went? (laughs) Let me,
1: let me, and then you could guide me along this one. I remember correctly. You had a local manager down here.
0: Yeah. An Argentinian guy. Yeah.
1: Argentinian guy, but I think um, you didn't trust him, or something happened. He was
0: running his mouth. Uh, there you that, go. That was it. Was basically we had this guy lined up. He had played. He had he had done a lot of work as a heel ref, mm-hmm. and he went into business for himself a lot. And I would watch the shows, and he would actually he would be a detriment to the shows because he was the only ref they had, and so every single match was just him helping the heel and like hindering the baby face and it just got real tiresome, but he had some chops. I mean, he could, he could get heat and I thought, well, maybe I could use that guy. And I came up with the name Don Chaco. Cause there's, um, there's a name. Well, actually no Don Chaco Chaco came up. That was through my own thing. Cause I, I took my last name and I switched out some letters and, uh, and chose a name of a, of an area in Paraguay where there's actually a bunch of expats living. But we had him as a Don something because uh, Don means sir and uh, in in Spanish. So like Don Juan. Right. And uh, they had um, there's a really, really popular show down here called El Chavo del Ocho from Mexico. And one of the most popular characters on El Chavo Chavo Chavo. del Ocho uh, was a character named Don Ramon. And so uh, – and one of our top investors was named Don, and I thought as a way, way to kind of parlay that, uh, I wanted to use that name. But this guy ran his mouth, and he said, you know, they're, they're bringing in all these guys from up north. They don't know anything about this place. We know better. We should be the ones running it. They should just invest in us and, and do it that way. And he was running his mouth, and then finally I was like, nah, nah we'll just – and so I came to you, and I said, yeah, we're going to run casting for like a new – Uh, gimmick for this for this heel manager and take it from there
1: and i just said what about you that's all i said was just what about you and you were just like i'm i'm you know i'm not a manager my spanish is poor and i went that's perfect
0: (laughs) and it worked out great it it did work out great I, i did not see it coming uh i did do the little bit of work in Vancouver, which you had seen before that, but I thought I sucked. So I thought, okay, I'll just, you know, like I'll take a back seat, but it turned out okay. Actually. Uh, I think.
1: Well, one of my main things was chemistry. We had, we had started to develop a fairly pretty good chemistry at that point. And, yeah. and, 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 so I, I was, when, when I, when you get put with somebody in, and, and, and with this guy, um, I, the other person that, that ran his mouth, I was concerned about chemistry because we didn't speak the same language. And I like to be able to communicate with my partner out there, my manager, my comrade, whatever you want to call it. And so I
0: representante legal. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And and for it to work properly is I need someone that I can communicate with. And so the fact that you spoke poor Spanish and we were still this was in October of that year uh, that we were this about four or five months before we were due to come down and start shooting officially and and so i'm like okay he's gonna learn more spanish to get him passable and and you said you were passable at spanish but it was horrible and i thought that would have been hilarious we have this we had this green coming down there and, and and then you kind of came up with the gimmick of where you 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 you, you, you were this expat that that came from nowhere and and like you claim to be from nowhere I would change
0: the subject. I would say, I'm Paraguayan.
1: <laughs> I've got and, the documents. <laughs> and as I came down here and we went to an expat meeting, um, which was before the show even started. We were probably about a week or two out. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an expat dinner, which is the one and only that I ever went to. I saw a lot of Don Chacos there.
0: Yep. Like, I had a lot of material to draw from, that's for sure. <laughs> and and I never went to another boss.
1: one. I never went yeah. to another one because I think we're all running from something or running to something, but these guys, man, these guys were the worst of the worst. There was a couple of cool <laughs> ones. There was a couple of cool ones. Yeah. Yeah. But the rest of them were just like they were like they probably would have been in jail if they were in the United States for, for totally. a lot of child to sexual deviancy to whatever. You know, like these guys were um yeah, they were all Don Chacos. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well it, were, it worked out well too, because the thing is is that it's it's very clear, like this is a country that doesn't have generally speaking, they don't have that many expats down here. They do, but they don't. And, there's a lot more now. So than a there lot was of Paraguayans before. will go their entire life not never meeting one. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where I'm at, like I'm the only Canadian for whew, for at least an hour and a half each way. You know, there's, no, there there's no other guy Canadians out, there, though? out here, so they just like, what's that?
1: Wasn't there a Swiss guy out there though that got popped?
0: Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not that far far from here. us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like the uh, we. um, It's easy to play into it because the thing is too. While I would see those bad, like the bad expat behaviors, I knew what was off-putting about them. Because what was off-putting about them to me was everybody wanted to start a business, they wanted to invest, they wanted to take advantage. And so if I could take this guy and make him a 100% with the goal of being important, that was the, that was the one thing he wanted to be important. He wanted to be respected by, by the, but and, and that's actually why it works so well as a heel because at the, at the end of the day, that's, I didn't even want to do the job. (laughs) That wasn't my goal from the beginning. I wanted to sit in the stands and watch my product, but it it worked over time. And, uh, you know, it was great because you'd be going out there and cutting these scathing promos in English. And then I would come back and translate it into into Spanish and I would tidy it up. And make it all clean, and the people would just be booing because there was a lot of the people in the audience that could understand English, and they're like, "That's
3: not what he said." <laughs>
0: and it was such a perfect, perfect uh, chemistry. Um, do, you, do you
1: remember because of my promos though, do you remember the studio head uh, came came to us or came to you more specifically and said that I need to tone it down because they're afraid that I'm going to get killed, and I was like, "No." <laughs>
0: Yeah. there was a lot of that pushback for sure. And, and you know, it was funny too, because I don't know. Did you get Did you get ever get attacked by any of the fans at, at any of the things? Did you ever get, I've any? had some, I had some push me.
1: I had some try to come after me, but they never got mm-hmm. to it. Like they would threaten. And the thing is though, is that they would yell a good game. But then the second that I would come towards them, they <laughs> wouldn't say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I was but I was encouraging it though. I wanted someone True. to attack me. You were like, going for I some was, pretty good hate. I, and I I wasn't sitting there trying to say I wasn't sitting there just running my mouth.
0: I was hoping someone would attack me. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, you got that later <laughs> at a bar, when the camera wasn't on. Um, but <laughs> a couple, two
1: times at a two t- two bars there's actually you, you don't know about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, with Max on a, I was with Max on another one. That was a pretty good.
0: Oh, one. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I I got more. Uh I got, you know, people trying to steal my hat, trying to steal my glasses. And the problem with when somebody comes grabbing for your glasses is that you get like fingernails and stuff right in mm-hmm. your eye or the and so I actually I actually got hurt. Um I ended up scraping my cornea uh when somebody took my you know, scraped my glasses off of me. Um, I would actually hang out on the VIP side cuz it was a little bit more Subtle. And I could then choose to go out and yell at the the crowd and then safely walk back. It was the best way to go about it. And well, it's the VIP oh,
1: people also were a little bit more um like of a higher. I guess they're viewed as higher class people in the area. Or well, there were celebrities we so, would bring
0: in. Yeah. So we would yeah. bring in these celebrities. And so for them to do something like that would cause headlines. Uh, maybe that they don't want, you know? So um some of them might've wanted it. You know, some of them, some of them loved that idea. Some of them sure would have
1: had no problem,
0: but it's funny because so some of the listeners here know that I worked in midget wrestling. And when I was working with the midget wrestling warriors, we did a show in medicine hat, Alberta, and it was a big show. I mean, it's huge draw. they, phew, Man, midget wrestling draws. It draws. It draws so many more than like what I was used and, to.
1: And before anybody gets mad at him using the word midget, it's in the That's name of the use. company. Yeah, midget yeah, wrestling it was warriors. Literally
0: their name. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and like short sleeve Samson comes out and he's like, it's midget time. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm six feet tall <laughs> and getting chased around the ring by you know short sleeve Samson who you know if four he four feet if he's if he's lucky uh, and and i'm I'm running around the the ring and, and we had there's lots of times where I get attacked by by fans because it's just that's part of the business and we were running around the ring and uh, I'm getting chased because there's nothing funnier than a six foot tall man getting chased by a by a, by a midget wrestler <laughs> and um I got a lady who threw a drink on me and you'd think that wasn't my first time I've had a drink thrown at me I get drinks thrown on me all the time but the, the, you'd think that should be a an ejection right you'd think but this was bar a lady enough. not no not at a bar show not not well this one wasn't a bar show this was actually at a big uh, large cultural center but um you'd think that that would get some sort of an ejection or something to take care of us but because we we're traveling from town to town. Some of the times these security guys didn't really realize like what was or wasn't part of the show. You know they were they were just there for a, a night's work. So this lady got to stay in, and then later in the show, I'm getting chased around, and she stuck a foot out and tripped me because it was dark. We had the 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 lighting trees that were yeah, pointed at the, at the ring. Yeah, no, not trusses like they were on long poles. So they were oh, just, and like, those big, ones and those ones like there's a lot of shadowing there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so she hits she hits me with this uh, with this foot out, sticks a foot out. Same lady. I go flying and I come inches away from hitting that light pole, which would have fallen back and would have taken out a bunch of people in the crowd. Like we would have been in the newspaper. Easy. And you know she still didn't get tossed out. She still didn't get tossed out. And so I just knew afterwards, like, stay away from that area. That the drunk lady is going to get someone killed. Um, medicine, but that's right. that's what comes back to the the point here. Um, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to open up. I I lost all my presets, but I'm going to see if I can put them back in while we're here. And uh. Show a couple of clips of, you know, when wrestlers s- stick up for themselves <clears throat> in terms of, uh, in fan terms interaction. of interaction. Not even fan interaction, more so with like, nosy journalists and stuff you here we go don't know
2: what I'm talking about we had a Hogan. very ugly incident here last week on the show um, Hulk Hogan and Ms. T were here and um, guy. Uh, Hulk Hogan did a demonstration and he, he hurt me real bad I split my head open and I was knocked unconscious and so on so um, just to show that I'm not a part of their promotional tool and this was real I want you to take a look at this clip and keep in mind this was real take a look at it and remember I had no idea what was about to happen and I'll be right back
3: now the first thing you need to know about amateur wrestling yes. or professional wrestling <laughs> or submission well, you just tell me, brother, when you want him to put squealing. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's that.
0: The bone on. right there, man.
3: How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. But he's out. He's bitches. all right. He's just sleeping. Yeah. He's sleeping. Really? Yes, I was I was a sleeper hole. He'll be all right. He's waking up now. That was a serious right, A lot of
2: people
0: watch this guy professional
2: see it works yeah. alright brother and now we'll be right back after this word from you know who we'll be right back you see
3: the blood
1: on the back
2: we later I had no idea when I said when I got up and said we'll be right back I had no <laughs> idea where I was I was in shock and just I know I'm bringing doing this a little bit maybe going too far but can we get a close up of these stitches because I saw Bill Cosby today and he thought it was a hoax and if he thought, can we read that? Is that, can you see that? Can you see those stitches? I'm sorry to do that to you. I, I, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to, uh, to show you. And this is not the first incident between a professional wrestler and a television interviewer. Watch what happened to ABC's 2020 reporter, John Stossel.
1: Maybe fake violence. Uh, I,
0: I actually showed in the intro, I showed the John Stossel, uh, Dave Schultz. Uh, well, that's an open hand slap. That's an open hand slap. How do, you, how do you, you get hit him like two, three times? Uh, oh, this he's, is another I, one.
1: I laugh every time I see that. Like, not, you know, <laughs> the, the Belzer me... one. The Belcher one. Um, my only issue with that is, is like the guy was out. Like, Hulk could have at least helped bring him down a little bit. You know?
0: Yeah, um, he didn't. He just kind of let him flop, and it wasn't taking care of him. But I, that's the one thing that's interesting is, is that like once you. You you at the beginning of the show you were talking about you know working with somebody's body you know like you're throwing you're you're offering your body out there and you're taking care of one another well see a wrestler scorned he's a little less incentivized to take good care of you if you're being a total you know jerk um, go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah well I, 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 I mean go ahead if someone if someone pops off on me
1: or is reckless on me then I'm just going to eat them up. I'm yeah. not going to give you like, if you're, if you hit me once, it's okay. But if you hit me like two or three times and I'm talking, like I could take some shots, but if you're hitting me recklessly and you just don't, you like, you can't settle your feet down or whatever, then I'm going to gobble you up and I'm not going to give you anything.
0: No, exactly. You give some receipts. Now I've got another clip lined up. I'm just going to upload this one real quick. Uh, this is one that you brought to my attention. And I think it's from the late '90s, early 2000s, maybe.
1: Well, I'm curious. Wrestling, and
3: they are in on the joke. That's not an insult.
2: So what you're trying to say is what? I mean, people I are just dying way. for this. I take
3: it as an insult. I too. do too. I mean, but they're so. dying
2: to find out. Hey, wrestling' okay. wrestling's
3: fake. No, You're telling me that you're is really is hitting each other. No. Oh.
0: Look at that smug look on his face. By the way, just like, like he's such a prick. I can't stand Bill, Bill Bill Maher. And and you know, there's a running thread between these two hosts. But oh, the sound of
1: the
3: chair is real. Okay, we are entertainment. But when a metal chair cracks your back, that's not fake. Somebody throws metal, you from. It's just, a metal. Yes, I. I this so never. A,
0: that's the other thing is, is that yeah, you've taken a chair shot or two in your time. They never feel good, right? <laughs> they suck. They suck. <laughs> Have you done the tax yet?
1: I've done tax, barbed wire, glass. Oof.
0: oof, oof. All right, let's let's see what Roddy says here. Roddy, Roddy is a, a good was a good Canadian boy, uh, but he 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 uh, is a binding figure between you and I because he was a big deal uh, in Portland when you were growing love up. Roddy. So let love just yeah. the pipe. Bruise on any of you.
3: Boloney, you How got him in n- it? Look at that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, wrist. Seven years it's been broken. Owen Hart dead. Why don't you go tell Mrs. Hart what a joke it is, huh? Oh, it's just a phrase, right? You want me to be truthful with you? Huh, champ? Okay.
0: You know what? Let's pause it there for a second. Yeah, like, the thing about Roddy was he was a very passionate person uh you, you know when we talked about works and shoots <laughs> you know he he worked workers that that 's to that 's his history he 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 's ripped some people off in the past and he 's he 's taken people for a ride but at the end of the day, boy did he try his best to protect the business and other workers and uh, mm-hmm. there 's lots of interviews that he 's given where he does take a huge offense to yeah. to anybody who is making these accusations that it 's super fake that guy he came into the business the hard way he came in the hard way nobody trained well, him he just would get paid to get his ass kicked for for night, know, after he, night after night after night
1: he was trained by Candelo, but that was still the hard way um and and the, the thing is is that like the the fake word bothers me because it's it's, it's like okay so i've had a, over a dozen concussions so that's fake my mm-hmm. knee is jacked up that's fake my right shoulder—I can't. This is as far as I can go. This here is great. By the way, my right shoulder—that happened in a match fifteen years ago. Um, I refused to get surgery because I don't want to stop working out because I've lost a lot of weight and I don't want to lose my progression. Mm. Um, I, you know, my my back pain, my neck pain. Um, um, you know, like people go, oh well, the, you know, the ring has a spring in it, and I, I'm going to give you a little secret, and I'm going to kind of steal from Roddy, you know. The ring has a spring in it that so doesn't bottom out. That's why yeah. a ring has a spring in it. Oh, the ropes are nice and, and soft. And then I always no, go, okay, I, I was 400 and I was almost 500 pounds. If the ropes are so soft, how come I was able to climb on them without the ropes bottoming
0: out? <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. You know, how,
1: how, how was I able to stand in the ring at 500? And actually, my highest weight was 550. How was I able to stand in a ring and run around the ring and bump in a ring without the ring bottoming out?
0: Why don't you uh, come a little closer to the camera, too, and show your forehead to anybody who's watching this? I mean, you've got how many how many scars up there? From I've got bleeding. a ton of scars here from bleeding. I've got a big one up here
1: um, from Drexel's cane when he was my manager. I can't really see it because, uh, you know, I've got hair in the way. But I have this oh, scar line that's about this long.
0: I never um, hurt you as a
1: manager. <laughs> no, I mean, he laid it in. And that's just, you know, that's what, what happened was, Yeah. He, he actually, he put his, I'll give away a secret. He put his fist in front of his, he had a big heavy metal cane. Well,
3: mm-hmm.
1: he had his wedding ring on. And his ah! wedding ring, so if you see his wedding ring, there's a track line of his wedding ring that's in my head. And I just look at it like, I look at it as a badge of honor. I look Absolutely. at it as... You know, I look at it as um, a war wound. I've got um, scars right here. This right here is from barbed wire uh, 13 years ago. Uh, Slip my, wow. my wrist open when I hit a splash. There was a barbed wire on the top rope. It was spitting blood out, but I didn't feel it during the match. Did I go get stitches? No. I Fortunately, a friend's wife um, was in the back, and she had super glue. So I just super glued it shut, and I wrapped it. And I never got <laughs> stitches. And... Um, when I blew my knee out, I blew my knee out in a match that took me out for eight months. I couldn't wrestle for eight months. Here's where the toughness part comes in though. I was at work the next day. I was at work 12 hours later. And by the way, I didn't have a desk job. I was a delivery driver. So I had my knee wrapped. I could not, I had my knee wrapped. I had a, a, a one of those hundred dollar braces. And then thank, thank God, a friend of mine had a, one of those $1,500, uh, metal braces that could lock my knee in. Oh, the like face. a
0: Steve Austin one.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And that there allowed me to go to work. Now, it took me longer to complete my jobs. I was a, I was delivering printing printing supplies at the time. Um, uh, and, so, yeah. and so, I mean, you're talking about getting into the forklifts and I had to still operate. Imagine doing that with your legs straight.
0: And you, like, so we. I brought up about the ankle. I made a little quip earlier because, like, we were about to work our, we haven't worked together in the ring since uh, late 2015 or was it yeah, early 2016
1: uh, It was for, a no, late late 2015 that yeah. was not my ankle that was my groin
0: okay groin okay it was a groin injury that's right cuz you slipped getting into your car or something like that right i and slipped
1: i slipped it was a rainy night in houston i got out of my car there was a rock cuz i had a there was another car parked in the driveway that was parked very close over so when i got out i had to get out on in the mud/rocks slash um, mm-hmm. and when I got out of my car, um, whatever it was with the mud or whatever, I got out, my legs slipped and I pulled my grunt.
0: Well, and the thing is, is that I, uh, you brought up earlier about chemistry and mm-hmm. while I knew the guys that were, I was set to work with, I had never worked with them as a manager up until that point. So the chemistry wasn't there and we, I had to learn it all in pretty much in front of what eight, 900 people. Pressing a thousand people, that is not easy. And I really, we one of these days we will work again together. But that last time that we worked together is the uh, the one and only time. This is my badge of honor for me. Is uh, somebody somebody uh, passed along to uh, uh, somebody passed along to PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated about that match. And so there's a Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, issue where. Both of us are mentioned, uh, and uh, I got my name into the into one of my favorite wrestling publications of all oh, time. Yeah. So, so that was that was really good. And so, um, it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go and play the rest of this uh, Roddy clip here because again, I really like the way he put Bill Maher in his place for being a smug jerk. You know, so let's just see what, where where this goes.
3: If I may say so, sir. The difference is. What? <laughs> just, just—he's he, gonna okay. strike. He's working.
0: Just, Here we go. He's working.
3: No. Just don't show me your ass again. <laughs> uh, listen, I ain't <laughs> backstage, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, All right. you know, I'm you not know, dropping you, my pants in front of yeah. other men. But go ahead. Okay.
3: <laughs> well, I how'd you get the job?
0: Dude, that's classic. <laughs> mm. I love that wine. <laughs> well, <Whoa. see> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I had another Roddy Piper video, uh, clued up from queued up from his Portland days, but it's like four or five minutes long where he's ripping a, a writer from the Arag- Oregonian. Yeah. A new that was one. one of the
1: greatest promos of all time. As a kid, I watched that live as an eight-year-old kid, not there, but on television. Yeah. And that when I found that that you should play it to be honest, because it's amazing. I don't well, know if you've got it.
0: Uh, I've got it, I can get it. But I mean, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll close the show with it and uh, and we'll 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 let people see it at the end there because it, it's it's a doozy. It's, <laughs> it's a real doozy. Yeah, and this is when
1: Piper was already a national star on WTBS at that point. He was coming into Portland to face Ric Flair. He wanted to have the match in his hometown. And he came in to uh, face Ric Flair in the Expo Center. The, the, the sports arena sat 2,000 people. They rented out the Expo Center, which sat 5,000 people. They probably could have went to the Coliseum and sold that out at 12,000 people. Well, um, that's that's how, how big
0: it was in Portland at the time.
1: Th- yeah, th- th- the time in Portland, they used to run um, – two Tuesdays two Tuesdays a month and four Saturdays just in one building um, that sat two thousand people. More than likely than not, they probably had a minimum of twelve to fifteen hundred people for each show. Sellouts were not uncommon up until about eighty, eighty five, eighty six. Um and then around eighty five, eighty six they would you know, they would pull in uh, you know, anywhere from a thousand to twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, you know, something like that.
0: All right, you know what? Because you're, pro- you're telling me that story, I think we, I think we need to go into it. Yeah, <laughs> I think i got to play it while we're on here.
3: <laughs> I
0: mean, it's part of my history.
3: You know, I've got a few things to say that uh, we had all kinds of people come out. And I'll tell all kinds of support, and I'd like to say something, because sometimes people don't have enough guts to say something back, or sometimes you don't Was have the baby opportunity. a at this time? I do, you see. Absolutely, I'm yeah. At as an top guy of all time. You stay for here, you see? <laughs> and I'm listening in- I'm listening to this uh, reporter here, uh, Mr. Steve Dillon, who really thinks he's big time here. Was he he's a big guy? He's about Delma Limberman, a little 82-year-old. Oh, is... And he says, yeah. all these people, including you, he says, are a strange mix of people you never see shopping at Washington Square. He says, "He says hey, you never see them driving fancy sporty cars, they says here. The cars they drive are vintage American models with foreign upholstery and beer cans on the floor in the back. Jack.
0: Just pausing that one for a second here. Uh, one of the things that I, this one was starting to remind me of already it, this is this is Roddy's hard times promo, isn't it? like it, it, and for anybody who's, who's I mean, this familiar, is before
1: hard times by the way.
0: I know, but like this this was this was his version, and I think it's almost more cutting than hard times i think i think this one's more emotional than hard steve, times
1: steve dunn was a um he was a top newspaper guy at the time he wound up becoming an anchor for many many years on one of the uh news stations in portland
0: oh really so was yeah. it on the same station that uh, this show was airing or no no, this was
1: uh KPHB 12. I believe he was just a, a beat writer at this point or an editorialist at this point. I don't know if he was a newscaster yet, it's possible he was doing both. Um, oh, okay. but I do remember the Steve Dunn guy, um, around 87 88 being an anchor for uh, like a Channel 6, a CBS.
0: Interesting, yeah, because like. Yeah. In Calgary where I grew up Ed Whalen was the he was a news anchor for a while and he was mm-hmm. the uh, announcer for the Calgary Flames hockey team and then he was also the announcer for Stampede wrestling which actually helped the business cuz it built up a credibility you know you've yeah. got the you've got the main guy from from uh, from wrestling and I think he also did chuckwagon racing uh, okay. but yeah, had, had main guy from 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 hockey chuck wagon racing which is a big deal once a year in, in, in Calgary and then also doing stampede wrestling through the year so he he was really big in putting over wrestling uh, unlike this Dunn character who's wanting you know just this cheap gimmick of trying to expose a a business uh, why don't we why don't I hit it let's, let's keep going with what Roddy's saying here for those listening he's taking his jacket off get riled up now he's getting comfortable
3: first of all the first thing you got to know about this is he tried to get in free simple as that and i suppose you steve i suppose you come driving up in a rolls-royce right mister you're talking about Washington Plaza. You're talking about real big shot. You see what you have done here, what you have done is installed a whole bunch of people that I am part of. You're talking about torn upholstery.
1: Uh,
0: just just for reference, the Oregonian uh, is is it still in existence? Was it a it, it is
1: it is, but like most newspapers it's it's not what it once was. But, but it was huge it was it was our number it was, one paper at the state
0: okay so so this was a big deal because also yeah. again as you said they're prepping for a big show and so this guy coming in to try to squash it ahead of time that that's that's livelihoods on the line well, he already
1: here. did he already did the big show for the previous Tuesday and they're finishing up the loop on this day here oh, okay uh, on, yeah Piper on this show was in a tag team match against Ric Flair. Was, um so they were rematching but it was in a tag
0: okay all okay. right, and and for those who are you know if anybody's getting upset about me pausing it all the time this is uh how uh this gets me my uh my credibility in terms of uh, fair use uh so that we don't run the same thing uh so we're adding our commentary as we go so here here's here's some more of what roddy has to say
3: you know, you know junk like this junk like this a whole bunch of nothing but lies, you wouldn't even find this junk in the National Enquirer. A guy that writes like this, you could not write for the basket weaving class of 1942, (laughs) mister. You couldn't do nothing. Oh wait, wait, no, no, wait, wait, please. This is not for the points This is just because this guy's a beast, man You see, he comes up And he says, oh, and I quote Kurt Henney goes in the ring And all these women Are flogging around him And it just makes them disgusted What's the problem, Gertrude?
1: Here he goes Here he goes
3: no attention do you find yourself steve walking in a bar with a hundred dollar bill on your forehead and you can't walk out with a male or a female (laughs) (laughs) look
0: at the the back there who's who's
1: the uh who's the guy in the ring with him that guy's dying the the legendary dutch savage he's a great (laughs) old school wrestler fantastic fantastic wrestler
0: (laughs) he's popping huge here we go
3: why are you rid me man what are oh, you talking about, people? You say what you're trying to say is little Clint. The other day, I'm in an arena in Florida, and there's Hank Williams Jr. What you're trying to say is former President Carter's mother, Grandma Carter, has got Billy here in the back of her car. Is that what you're saying, you geek? Is
0: huh? she a wrestling so fan? I'll tell you what? Huge
3: okay you watch man yeah you see they buy your newspaper you don't have to oh you geek he's controlling
0: himself barely
3: especially them they don't have to impress you you have to impress them and i want to know something how does it feel to have an eighth grade education wrestler tell you how to do your job
0: love that Epic.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Rowdy Roddy Piper, and I want to congratulate that young gentleman for defending the people of the state of Oregon against a very poorly
0: written thing. I'm glad we were I, uh... able to share that one. That, it's, 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 what happened after that?
1: Um, there, was, there was really no blowback off of that. It was just something that he did, and mm-hmm. it just became a legendary promo. Because, you, know, you know, in real life, there's no storyline. So, obviously, Steve Dunn, he's not going to retort none of that. Dutch Savage, the man who um, um, uh, uh, was the uh, announcer, the interviewer for that, he was a huge professional wrestler back in the 60s and 70s. He was probably the Rowdy Piper of the 1970s in the Orient Territory. And he uh, he helped break in like Jimmy Snuka. He took Jimmy Snuka under his wing, the Iron Sheik. Um, he worked programs with them. And there's actually a documentary I got to send to you. And it's from the 1970s. And it's got Dutch Savage and Jesse Ventura and the Iron Sheik all in the 1970s, man. Whoa. And uh, yeah, and it's a great documentary. And uh, there's a promo in there that I really liked. And he was like, Iron Sheik, I know you're an Arab, and he goes, you don't represent all Arabs because I know many Arabs that are good, and I was impressed with the way in the '70s because it's usually you're foreign, you're bad, but he he said, no, I you're I know you're an Arab, I know you're from an Arab country, but you don't represent all Arabs because many of the Arabs I know are good people.
0: That's a good, so. That's I was a good baby face promo though. That's that's good. I, I like that.
1: I was Yeah, I was impressed because, like, in the 1980s, it was just like, you dirty foreigner, blah, 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 scum. They would never
0: say that directly, dirty foreigner. <laughs> Are you
1: sure about that?
0: <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was before maybe. my time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because in the 1980s, man, they said a lot of things. Greg Valentine talking about the junkyard dog, you know. All right, boy. Oh, you know, no. Come here, boy.
0: Oh, yeah, no. no. So you, you don't think they're uh, going to say
1: dirty foreigner. Come on now. You're thinking of today's lot. You know, you're thinking of today's
0: Didn't life. Triple H also say, like, you know, people like you? People like you. Okay,
1: WrestleMania 19 in Seattle in 2003. You were there. H, I was yeah. there. But the promos leading up to it, like, you expected Booker T to win. There was no other way. Like, the way that Triple H had talked down to him and berated him, there was, like, no other way. Like, you, you figured, okay, Book's got to win because he's going to be chumped. Yeah, yeah, he got buried. He's going to get yeah. chumped. Book's going to get chumped. And Triple H, it was very racial, very <laughs> racial. And it made Book seem, like, lesser than. And so it's like, okay, Book's winning the title. He's got to be winning the title because if not, you know, and then you realize, oh, well, Vince is a piece of garbage.
0: So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. When we talk about like baby faces and heels, man, like, you know, and you're, when I asked you if you're going and working in the, in the, in the Fed, as we call it, uh, uh, back in the day. I don't know if that would be a fun life. (laughs) I don't know if that would be a good life. I don't. I've watched it up dark side of the ring to know that uh, it's not good for you. You know, you'd probably not be talking to me right now if you got into it earlier. And Uh, and I've said that
1: before, though. I have said that before. With with with, with, like, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get into it to the 90s because I'd probably be dead. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because it was just the lifestyle that it was. It was, you know, very rough. And you know, as you know, me. I was not the 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 most uh, emotionally secure or smart person in my twenties. I was very go along get along, and I was still kind of was in my thirties as well. Um, I truly didn't become like you know more stable mentally until my forties um, and more wise. That's when we to got life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's when we got yeah.
1: Well, you guys caught me when I was kind of in my like
0: my cocoon twilight you know, was,
1: years. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was transitioning from you know, you know, the monster to the more human being that I'm trying to be now. That I am now. So you know, I'm where I. But the thing is, is though, is like I still when I get into the training sessions on those Saturdays with the guys, that monster comes back.
0: So yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> really? I've seen it, it's a, and, and that's the thing too. That's where it worked so well for us is because you know, let him loose, let him do his thing, and then you know, let let my game come in and try to clean up the mess. Yeah. uh, I'd do my thing
1: and then clean up later.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But uh, you know, man, I knowing full well that uh, you're you're somebody I can always depend on. Uh, I, I am a, you know, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of your, your body of work as a wrestler. I've had the absolute privilege of getting to work with you, getting to, to to not only work with you in the ring but outside of the ring, and I, I for the listeners down there it, it's it's really cool for me to have one of my best friends in the world see what i 'm seeing in this world, know what 's going down, and take the leap of faith and who came down to Paraguay and is making it for himself again down here. And uh, it's it's great to have you down here, and I, I would love to have you back on the show uh, again because we we've got a lot we can keep talking about, and uh, we we'll we you know I get a feeling that this is going to be a very popular uh, episode once uh once it uh, gets goes across the audio streams, but uh, well, you,
1: well you people better listen and you better share it or I'm going to come to each and every one of your houses and you're going to regret it.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I, I think this would be a good place to to uh, um, to wrap up today, only because uh, I'm running the data off my phone, and I don't want it to just cut out on me a second time. Uh, so uh, but we'll be back. Thank you. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Maybe one of these days I'll get another camera in here. You'll come out here, and we'll do it in the same room, live and in person. Let's,
1: let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah.
0: So, thanks let's you again for. Uh, Thank you again, Sully, for, for coming on to High Trust, Low Context. Uh, this has been another edition of High Trust, Low Contest, uh, Context. Thank you all for joining us today, especially those who uh, watched us live. Uh, I'm El Chaco signing off. Viva Cristo Rey. God bless. God bless and ciao.